This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. We read bad books, good, bad, and okay, which don't work so well, and which are worth to pay, A through F grades, help me find great Batman trades, bad books. Bad books, bad books for beginners, bad books. Hello, and welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 216. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinion so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Batman, Gotham Shall Be Judged. So Chris, tell us about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, Jerry, I gotta mm-hmm. say, that was a nice nod to one of, if not, my favorite song from The Temptations. Ooh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. Excellent, excellent job. (laughs) Thank you so much. Well, great. Thank you very much, Bat fans, for downloading and spending some of your day with us today. Batman number 188 shall continue to collect a little more dust, and today we will look at a book called Batman Gotham Shall Be Judged. Batman Gotham Shall Be Judged is a 200-page, full-color, softcover trade paperback that was published in April 2012 and had an original cover price of $19.99, and it appears to have only gone through one printing. This book reprints Asriel issue numbers 14 through 18, which were cover dated January through May 2011 and were cover priced at $2.99. Also, Batman number 708 and 709, which were cover dated May and June 2011 respectively and cover priced at $2.99, Red Robin, number 22, cover dated June 2011 and cover priced at $2.99. And finally, Gotham City Sirens, cover dated June 2011 and cover priced at $2.99. If you wish to obtain a tangible version, online vendors appear to have this trade for around $15, and that may be their best route to go. Pricing for the individual back issues online appear to be all over the place. Asriel, undercover price, Batman about double the cover price, Red Robin, Overcover price and Gotham City Sirens overcover price if you can find a copy. And I do not believe this is on any of DC online services after a very short investigation. Okay, for our creative team, as per usual, I will go off my memory and some online resources. The Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. The issues of Asriel were written by David Hine and art by Cliff Richards. 
The issues of Batman were written by David Hine and art by Gillum March. The issue of Red Robin was written by Fabian Netzienza and drawn by Freddie Williams II. And the issue of Gotham City Sirens was written by Peter Calloway and the art was provided by Andres Guinaldo. Just some touch points on some of the creatives that haven't been frequently as mentioned on our show before. David Hine is British and he was born in 1956. His other credits include Silent War, Bulletproof Coffin, Spawn, and Detective Comics. David Hine is currently writing for Image Comics titles The Marked and Sonata, both of which have TV deals in the works. Cliff Richards was born in Brazil, and his other notable credit is on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer comic book. Peter Calloway is also written for the Cloak & Dagger TV series, and Andros Gonaldo's most recent credit is Blade Runner 2019. Over on Amazon.com, this has a rating of 3.6 stars out of 5, just based on 7 reviews. But over on Goodreads.com, this has a rating of 3.31 stars out of 5, based on 264 ratings and 31 reviews. Oh, but our show is not over yet. We have to hear Jerry's awesome story recap and our thoughts, opinions, and our ratings for this book. And with that, I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Fantastic. Thanks, Chris. So we're going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Greetings, Gothamites. Lane here, asking, does the world really need another Batman podcast? Well, of course it does. He's Batman. However, rather than tackle Batman in comic books, movies, or television, my podcast, Batman Books, The Dark Knight and Prose, will follow the caped crusader via the written word, where the only pictures are those formed in the imagination. Each season, I choose a different book to delve into, and each episode dives deep into a few chapters at a time. So join me as I explore the streets of Gotham between the covers of novels and novelizations in Batman books, The Dark Knight and Prose. Welcome back. Here's the story of Batman Gotham Shall Be Judged. Michael Lane is the new Asriel. He has the suit of sorrows, which protects you like armor, but also drives you mad. He also has the sword of sin, which is a fire sword, and the sword of salvation, which is like an ice sword. And they only kill the guilty. Michael is being haunted by a skinless old zealot grieve that he killed. He's being driven to suicide by the zealot and the cult of the order of purity. But why? The Bat family knows that Michael is a ticking time bomb, but they want to give him a chance to see if he can keep it together and fight crime the Bat family way. Now remember, both Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are Batman. Batmans? Batman? Whatever. There are two of them now. <laughs> Dick wants to trust Michael, and Bruce would prefer to make Michael part of Batman Incorporated, where they can keep tabs on him, but he puts the responsibility on his former ward. Michael is having nightmares about his killing of this skinless guy, Grieve, and he's scourging himself while alone in his room. There's a video camera on him, so the cult is keeping watch, so they know when he's ready to use this ceremonial dagger to end his life. And a man, Adrian, is his watcher. The cult has given the Suit of Sorrows a major cleaning and refurbishment. They also have melted down the original Azriel mask and made a new one. And it turns out this whole project is driven by the one, the only, you guessed it, Ra's al Ghul. Ra's has, uh, has promised the suit of sorrows to White Ghost, who, as you may remember, turned out to be his son. But first, Michael must either earn the suit permanently, or if he fails, White Ghost will get it. 
Michael puts on the newly refurbished Azrael suit and the mask, and the mask begins to talk to him and urges him to kill himself because he's a sinner and sinners must be purged, but then he will rise again. Michael remains unconvinced for the moment. He sets out into Gotham to fight baddies. One old woman was robbed. Azrael showed up and stabbed the robber with the fire sword, and he died. He then stabbed the old woman with the ice sword, and she saw angels and didn't die. Dick Batman shows up at the scene and confronts Asriel and says that their deal was that if he went too crazy, he would take the suit and swords back. They fight. Asriel stabs Dick with the fire sword, and while it doesn't kill him right away, it does start to sap his strength, and it may have killed him if Asriel didn't pull out the sword. Why did the sword go to kill him? Wasn't Dick Grayson a good guy? Stay tuned. Put a pin in that. Yeah. For now, Dick has a scar where the sword pierced him. The next morning, Bruce confronts Dick and tells him that Michael committed suicide by crucifixion the night before. How do you crucify yourself? Good question. He had some help. Flashback to Asriel the night before. He visited his cop friend Pete and told him he would kill himself and rise in three days. Pete insisted that he needed to get some help, but instead, Asriel stabbed Pete with the ice sword, which made Pete see Asriel in his true glorious form. He helps nail Michael near nude to the crucifix and gives him the ceremonial dagger, which he uses to stab himself. With Michael dead, Dick Grayson visits Michael's girlfriend, who's also his dead brother's ex-wife, if you're keeping track, and he tells her the bad news. She takes it unusually well and, in fact, isn't bothered by the news at all. What's up with that? The GCPD takes the suit of sorrows and tests it. There are strange elements and chemicals on it. Hmm. Dick is in the lab where the suit and mask are, and the artifacts begin to talk to him. White Ghost enters to take the suit, and Dick Bats fights him. White Ghost grabs the swords to attack Dick, but they burn his hands. Why? Wasn't he always faithful? White Ghost runs out of the lab and Dick follows, but while he's gone, the suit and swords are stolen. Nice misdirection. Back at the Batcave, Bruce has figured out that the compounds on the suit were the same chemicals found in the Lazarus pit. Oh, okay, that's making sense. Also, Michael Lane's body is missing from the morgue. It's been brought back to Cult Central where the body is suited up in the Asriel gear. Michael goes to Purgatory where he meets up with Grieve. All the past Asriels will help him in his quest to return to life, but Grieve is his burden. He must carry him. Bruce Bats and Dick Bats go to find Michael. Since Bruce wore the suit in the past, he has a connection with it and knows how to follow it. So they go to a facility and are invited inside by Raish al Ghul. Bruce goes, leaving Dick outside. Raish brings Bruce, Bruce Bats to see Michael's dead body come to life. In his Purgatorian state, Michael meets Jeffrey de Cantona, the first Asriel. Michael now has control of the suit, not the other way around. Michael comes back to life, and Batman offers to let Michael into Batman Incorporated to fight crime. But Michael is battling sin itself, not just crime. Asriel stabs Batman with the ice sword, and Batman sees two visions. One vision is the glory of Asriel the angel, and another is Asriel as the Antichrist. Bruce returns to Dick and lets him know that Michael won't be joining the company, but will be an ally, I think. Asriel has a mission to find the brothers of the sword who are in, Af 
who are an Afghani militia in a dangerous part of Afghanistan, and they have a dangerous weapon called Fireball. We go to the Helmand province in Afghanistan and meet the brothers who have two young men with them. One, named Sammy, can admit explosive, fiery blasts of energy when he's had enough sun. I guess he's Fireball. The two had been driven to extremism by the war and want to help the Brothers of the Sword. Sammy shows the brothers what he can do by exploding a field full of abandoned Soviet tanks. Sometime later, Asriel shows up looking for Fireball and the brothers shoot at him. Asriel kills them for their trouble. He finds Sammy, who's looking pretty run down from all the exploding he's been doing. The militia believes he is the Angel of Death, who is also called Asriel. Our Asriel... He's a kind of angel, too, so they have that in common. They have to fight anyway, though, because, of course, they do. So they go to a remote, empty expanse of ground with a boulder in the middle to do battle. Fireball emits such an explosion that it melts the sand to glass. Michael uses the icy sword of salvation to counter the blast. He then goes to kill Fireball, but his swords will not kill him. This does not surprise Fireball because a stranger had recently foretold these events and then trained him to use his power. Who was the stranger? Can you guess? Ray Shalgul, of course. <laughs> Ray shows up and tells the two that they're now allies. Uh, Ray and his angels of death return to Gotham to destroy evil. Sure they do. They have another teammate, the Crusader, who's also super powerful and is killing sinners of various types. Dick Batman is having trouble with that wound from his chest from the Sword of Sin. Why, oh why, wasn't it going to kill him? Wasn't he a good guy? And he remembers back to his childhood at the circus. There was another, more famous trapeze artist kid named The Prodigy, who was brutally attacked by some local boys for flirting with the local girls. Dick Grayson saw the attack, but did nothing to stop it. And on some level, he realized he wanted The Prodigy out of the way so he could be the famous one. Tim Drake, Selena Kyle, and Dick Bats try to defeat the Crusader, who's brutally killing sinners. Asriel shows up to stop him. The Crusader listens to him. Each of them will, will be tested. If one passes the test, Gotham will be saved. If not, not. Ra's al Ghul is pumping Fireball full of solar energy with a special machine. This poor little fellow is barely keeping it together, but Ra's only needs him to live for one day. Red Robin is going up against a crusader who's setting fires all over Gotham. He saves some people in a church, and he runs into Azrael who stabs him with a sword. Tim is fine. Yay. Gotham is saved. Not so fast. The crusader points out he went into a church without reverence, and also he doesn't believe in God. Epic fail, Tim. Next, it's Selena's Kyle's turn to be tested. Azrael and the crusader are joined by Selena's sister, Maggie. Back in their childhood, Selena abandoned her sister when she went off to become Catwoman. Maggie was left behind and had a pretty terrible life. In the present, Maggie gives Selena a knife and asks her to kill her. Sacrifice me in the name of God. But Selena can't do it. Fail number two. The Crusader, Asriel, and Fireball, who's looking pretty messed up, overfull with energy, and Dick Bats are squaring off on a Gotham rooftop. They want a witness to their fight. And they find The Witness, also previously known as The Prodigy, who had been wandering the earth since he was beaten by those locals. This is Dick's sin and why he failed his test. 
Azrael's going to destroy the city. And he sent his girlfriend, Jenny, and her kids out of town. And it turns out, though, that Dick brought them back. Uh-oh. Azrael gives Dick his swords, and Dick stabs him. In a vision, Azrael sees that it isn't God's will to destroy Gotham. It's Rachel Ghoul's. He's been tricked. Now what does he do? Fireball is losing control of his energy and about to explode and destroy Gotham. The Crusader puts a telekinetic barrier around him. When he explodes, windows across the city smash, but the only fatality is poor Sammy the Fireball. Azrael and Crusader take off to figure stuff out. Prodigy stays behind and lets Dick Bats know that he knew that his friend Dick Grayson saw the beating he took. But come on, Dick was only a kid and he had forgiven him long ago. Surely he had made up for it by now. We all know that, yeah, he did. Rachel Ghoul is upset that his plan failed, and White Ghost is upset that he isn't getting the suit of sorrows. Rach points out that Bats will have to win every encounter with him, while he just has to win once. The end. Wow, so Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the story after these war words from some of our friends. Jeff and Merck present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and absorbing alcohol. We got kids with powers, we got villains with attitude. We got superhero guests, like all of them from the Marvel Universe. We have thematically appropriate beer reviews. We have good jokes and bad song parodies. One stop for all your Power Pack pod-pleasing procurements. And we got alliteration. Find Unpacking the Power of Power Pack wherever fine podcasts are played. Costumes on. Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what did you think? Jerry, first off, my applause to you for doing an excellent job with that story recap. Oh, you really you. outdid yourself on that one. That was oh. uh, a lot of uh, plate spinning, a lot of juggling, and I thought <laughs> yeah. you really did a good job keeping the narrative all together there. Oh, thank you. Jerry, I had a lot of perceived negatives going into this. Uh, I have to mm-hmm. confess, full disclosure, I don't like Ezreal. And mm-hmm. when I saw that this was going to be a very Ezreal top-heavy <laughs> book, mm-hmm. I, I had some mix, I had some well mixed, not mixed, but kind of negative feelings going into this. The next thing I saw was that sure. we had a lot of creative teams involved in this, and that's usually a very yeah. bad sign. Uh, they, yep. they tend to muck things up, and uh, a lot of things t- tend to get lost with the narrative. Yeah, I had no recollection of these events. I know I keep saying that on recent podcasts, but I assure you, I was reading all the Batman titles at this time. Okay, now all that said, I confess... I did like this book. <laughs> Characters mm-hmm. were given depth. They were very interesting. It was very well written, and it was told with a huge, broad scope. I felt really mm-hmm. engaged with each chapter as I was reading it. Hey, and the artwork was pretty good, too. And we had Gillen March, you know, best known for his work on Gotham City Sirens, and he was doing the art of Batman. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That was really yep. weird. And that, that those two particular issues were kind of a psychedelic trip, but it was nonetheless uh, yeah. interesting to see uh, March's take on... Uh, working on the Batman title. Those were my mm-hmm. initial impressions. We'll take it apart a little bit more. Jerry, I'm curious to f- hear what you were thinking. Well, I had uh, the same kind of red flags as you did. I'm not particularly an Asriel fan. Um, and, you know, I knew that we had a new Asriel. I knew that the Michael Lane Asriel was coming, and I felt absolutely nothing for him. So I was coming into this book exactly like you were, like, oh, no, this is going to be a beast. But I really, really had a fun read. And it's inexplicable. It's one of those things that, you know, you can say, oh, I like this kind of story and I don't like that kind of story. But, you know, when it works, it works, no matter what the story is. Now, there are some things I 
didn't care for in this. And I just want to get them out of the way. There's, you know, a lot of theology 101 gobbledygook, you know, with how do we know we're doing God's business and what are we, you know, all that stuff. And they try to pretend like, you know, they're theology students and they're not, you know, and, and they, they only pretend to get into this discussions, luckily, and they just kind of move on. Thank you. Um, I am also not a fan of the Azrael suit. I'm not sure what the heck that is on his back. Are they supposed to be wings? Like, I don't remember what they are, and I don't like it. It seems silly. They're like leather straps that are coming off his back, kind of like where wings would be. I'm not sure what that is. Um, And, you know, the other thing, the, the Sammy uh, is really the best name they could get for him, Fireball. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, and I also think we missed the issue where Crusader was introduced. I don't know who he is. He's missing his nose and he's got a cross kind of mm, painted or tattooed or something on his face and no nose. Um, I'm not sure who he is. Did, I don't think we've seen him before. Have we, Chris? Or did we miss it? I I don't recall. I don't recall, unfortunately, yeah. Jerry. I, I think this character I has been around, but to be honest, I, I did not uh, prepare that in my notes with uh, any uh, of his background. Yeah, me neither. I, I don't know who he is, but, you know, he just kind of showed up and started killing people. So, you know, he kind of got up to speed. But that's kind of the bad stuff. The stuff I liked, I really thought the idea of resurrecting Michael using the chemicals from the Lazarus pit was kind of interesting, you know. And the fight and the eventual team up with Fireball, it definitely worked for me. I can see them working together. And I really like that. I thought that the the balance between the mystery of this story, um, you know, like what what's going on? Why why are they trying to get him to kill himself? And then how they revealed the the situation, and then how Azriel came to learn that you know Raish was behind it all. I really think worked for me. It really made sense, and this mystery really kept me engaged and the story moving. I really liked the Cave of Tears sequence. I didn't really go into it in the recap, but after the Azriel's fight, there's a um there's a military attack on a nearby um uh camp or town or something and all the grieving women, they go out to this boulder in the middle with, which is like melted. And they take these glass droplets that were created and give it to the sons of the the men, the soldiers that were killed, who will now become radicalized themselves. And they'll wear them as like necklaces and stuff like that to remember what they're fighting for. I thought that was really powerful. Um, and you mentioned Gillum March's uh, psychedelic art. Uh, I really liked his lines, particularly in Batman 708. It's really gorgeous. It's It's a little inconsistent. Um, and sometimes it's over the top, but a lot of those panels and pages are really gorgeous. And I guess one thing that I thought was unfortunate or whatever, remember a couple of issues ago when in the other Azrael, when, uh, they brought the fan, uh, Azrael's family to the fight with Red Robin. And that caused a lot of trouble and should not have, you know, I think they realized that he probably shouldn't have done that because they got killed. And now here they go. They're doing it again. So I thought that was like, whoa, stop killing Azriel's family. 
Um, and you know, in here we have, uh, Rachel Gould and, and White Ghost. And I really like White Ghost and in their relationship and, um, you know, just how they get along and just the, the out and out evilness and delicious, delicious, you know, badness of these people. I thought that was a lot of fun. What'd you think about it otherwise, Chris? Jerry, yeah, you know, we had a pretty good sampling of art, and a lot of times when we yeah. review something with multiple creators, I think we lose something in with the transition of the narrative because mm-hmm. we get taken mm-hmm. out of the story, and it's sort of a uh, a disconnect when we, we get an abrupt art change. I have to acknowledge, we did have some pretty uh, interesting uh, art changes here. Uh, yeah. Cliff Richards, uh, I, I really have to applaud him because he does a great job on this title with Asriel. Great uh, facial expressions. We really get to see the horror and the wrath and just how wrought the characters are. When we shift scenes to uh, Afghanistan, we see the uh, just the horrors and just the backdrop. It it seems like, you know, I I really liked seeing just basically some of the background scenes with with, uh, the area as much as the characters themselves. I I thought that was Mm -hmm. a great, great blend, and I really liked it. Now, when we transition from somebody like that, from Richards to Freddie Williams, obviously, you know, with respect to uh, his fine work and panel layout, Mm -hmm. It, it it moved pretty good. I, I really liked how it yeah. flowed there. Uh, and then we uh, <laughs> we we go from them to then we get Gilla March, you know, and and, th- and that seemed to be a seamless move. And then we wind up with uh, uh, the uh, very underrated Andres Guinaldo on the Gotham City's uh, Gotham City Sirens uh, work. And I thought. Yeah. Beat, 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 beat. This, this really moved. And I thought this was almost like a nice buffet of artists working on this thing. I think a lot of care and effort was put into this more so than I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rasha Ghoul, just as menacing as ever. I just really, really dug how, uh, evil he was. And he was just in top form in this. And I always <laughs> like a good Rasha Ghoul story with a, a good massive scope and a great narrative. Yeah. And this was, this was a treat to, to see him here and how he was depicted. I, I really relished that as well. Man, this this was this was a lot better than I hoped for. I really liked it. <laughs> Fantastic. So, if you were going to rate it, or you know, is it a must read or recommend? What would you? Where would you bring this in? Ooh, Jerry, 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 Jerry. <laughs> you know, this was <laughs> this like, yeah, but, but you know, let me see if I can equate it to something. This is like, you know, if you're a regular meat and potatoes guy and you usually go to a diner, this is kind of like trying a new restaurant, maybe a new ethnic restaurant, and you're pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. You tried something yeah. new and you had a good, good time. Everything on the yeah. plate and everything on your menu was really good. Now, you may not want to go back here for your next meal because, you know, you, you kind of had all this uh, samplings and different taste buds going on and a lot yeah. of things frying in your brain, you know, but you want to return to this every now and then. And I yeah. really dug it. So uh, this is probably going to be, you know, this is this is superior. So I'm, I was trying to toy between a three and a three and a half, but I think I'm going to land on a three and a half out of five on this. And I, I oh, really okay. dug it. I thought the artwork was good. I thought the story was much, much uh more than I could have hoped for with, with these characters that I mm-hmm. usually have some disdain for. And it was, it was yeah. really, really a treat to be on this podcast that gives me an opportunity to reread some of the things that I missed. So for that, mm-hmm. I'm very grateful and I'm grateful I read this. I don't know about the accessibility of finding this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is something you really don't come off of, you know, <laughs> Gotham shall be judged. You know, it's, 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 what is this? You know, you really don't mention Asriel yeah. in this. He's, he's kind of more the, yeah. uh, main character, not necessarily Batman. Mm-hmm. 
and I don't know if some of uh, the beginners will get lost. I'm going to give it a yeah. marginal recommendation for a beginner because I think there's a lot of things going on here where you can see a lot with the Ra's al Ghul character dynamic, and everybody was written in uh, pitch perfect form. You may not be familiar mm-hmm. with Asriel, and this may not do you any favors with respect to, you know, mm-hmm. John Pod Valley and just the chronological bit of the character, but we do get a lot of history with Asriel, and I have to respect and tip yeah. my cap to that. That was woven into the narrative really, really nicely done. So, yeah, I am going to say 3.5 and a uh, very, very marginal yes, must-read, must-recommendation. How about you, Jerry? What was your rating? Would you say it's also a must-read, and would you recommend it? Well, yeah, like like you, there's really no reason for me to like this book, except I did. <laughs> and, and because of that, and I think because I was so pleasantly pleased, I think I'm going to give this a 4-0. This is one of my, I think this might be my favorite Asriel story, um, maybe ever. Um, not a huge Asriel fan, but I really thought this Michael Lane Asriel was really interesting. And I liked this whole idea of him going to purgatory and him having to carry grief. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I, I do agree. This this may be a little tricky for a real beginner. Beginner, we have two Batman's here. Um, again, you know, we've mentioned it in past episodes when we've had that. That can be confusing for folks. I totally get it. Um, so, is this a must read? I don't think it's a must read because there's nothing really critical that happens here, unless you're a really big Asriel fan. But I would recommend this. I think you know this might be a challenging read for a beginner. Um, but I just think that the whole process of, you know, what happens is really fascinating. And I think I would definitely give this a recommendation. Excellent. Yeah. Well, that's all we have for this uh, story. Now, don't forget to catch us elsewhere. Uh, Chris, you've been doing uh, a lot of terrific work uh, on Batman, uh, on Batgirl to Oracle, going over Batman adventures and all that shipping stuff you do. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Ah, yes. Stella, who hosts the Batgirl Oracle podcast, a fine podcast, has dubbed my segment Chris's Cornucopia of Curiosities. And that's where I review the Batman Adventures title based on the 90s animated series. And I also have a segment within a segment called Nightwatch, where I look at the Nightwing title currently from a shipper's perspective. And I'm having a lot of fun Mm. with that. So again, you can find that podcast. It's called Batgirl Oracle, and I hope you check it out. It's hosted by the marvelous and talented Stella. Now, Jerry, I'd like to mention you because you do some things outside side of this where there's another podcast that we host but uh, you also have a segment where you cover ec horror comics and i really yeah. dig that and that's on a podcast called monster kid radio can you tell us about that and where can yeah. the listeners find you on twitter as well jerry you bet uh you can find me on twitter at professor frenzy and there i'll tweet out my weekly comics and i'll talk about indie comics a lot and also you know horror movies dark shadows uh we chris and i together we uh live tweet uh horror movies at svanguli hashtag on twitter on uh saturday nights last night was the mummy's hand that was a lot of fun uh, it classic was a lot of universal fun. horror i like that movie. <laughs> uh and yeah i do this segment on monster kid radio i go through ec horror comics and i tell one story and i uh, tell the story and i break down a little bit and uh, having a lot of fun over there. Now, Chris, you are also on Twitter at BTO and Bat Books. And I just love a lot of that, uh, that nostalgia kind of stuff that especially the TV guide stuff you do. I think that's terrific. I love seeing yeah, that. Yeah. I, I got some of the, uh, TV magazines from the, uh, Detroit TV news that I really dig. And I have some old TV guides as well.
well. But yeah, every now and then I'll just uh, pull one out randomly and thumb through it, and then oh, this was interesting. Look what happened here, you know. So uh, I, I kind of like I to share that. a lot of uh, my nostalgia, and it seems to get a good response. I really appreciate that. Thanks so much for the plug, Jerry. Yeah, you betcha. Uh, and also you have been, uh, covering, uh, filling in on, uh, the Batman universe's main comic cast. And that's been fantastic. Yeah. I'd really like to thank Dustin for allowing me to join Steph and Ian. And I have a great time. It's always a lot of fun when we have conversation with the current Batman comics. And I, I really am fortunate, uh, because I, I just hearing that comic podcast and the chemistry yeah. they have with the co-host, it's, it's really fascinating. And it's, uh, lovely discussion about the current doings of Batman, along with the news. It's a lot of fun to get everyone's perspective spins on the current title, exchanging some theories uh, and to hear where things are going and if it's something we like yeah. or don't like. And it's, it's a fun, fun exchange. So yeah, that's a fine show. That's the Batman Universe comic podcast, where I got to guest host on a couple of recent episodes. And thank you so much, Dustin, for letting me uh, take your virtual chair, so to speak, and for <laughs> Ian and Steph for allowing me to join in the lovely discussion course. Jerry, guess what? We got some comments on our last episode, and that was the one where we reviewed Batman Incorporated. We heard from our good friend at Green Lantern HG on Twitter at Green Lantern HG, and he said, great episode, guys. Batman Inc. was something I was excited for. It left a few good things afterwards, but I can also see why it wouldn't be a good story to jump into Batman as a first-timer, rubbing chin. Yeah, that's a good calling and i i I mean uh green lantern hgg i i want to caution that because our next comment is from ian but yeah uh good story i like the history that morrison Mm -hmm. incorporates with this but uh maybe not necessarily i I think a lot of uh there's so much out there that with the history that a uh a new reader may not know what's going on so Mm -hmm. great call green lantern hg getting ahead of myself i did want to mention the next (laughs) comment we had was from ian and he's on twitter at ibm miller and ian thank you for writing in first off Mm -hmm. we really appreciate you always providing us feedback he says the following batman incorporated is absolutely not (laughs) for beginners (laughs) and i honestly struggle with the overall arc however it is Mm -hmm. the most amazing idea for batman since batman started that i have Mm -hmm. read and the expansion of the bat family is extremely exciting and of course, the stuff issue was really wonderful. Of course, it was yes. Ian and beautifully drawn by Cameron Stewart. Now, yes. yeah, Ian, I know you're a little biased, but I have to. Con- I, yes, I concur. The, the stuff issue was wonderful, and it was beautifully drawn by Cameron Stewart. Ian continues. Yeah. I'm extremely pleased that it was included in Steph's reprinted Batgirl collections recently. I didn't know that, Ian. Thank you for mentioning that. Ian continues. The conversation about uh, collection versus issues were interesting. I agree that Morrison's overall plot was less well executed than his focus on the new characters and ideas. Ah, yes, Ian, and I'm glad. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that because I think it was less well executed, and yeah, you're right with with the takes on those new characters and ideas. Ian, I got to tell you, you 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 always give me that spin that I didn't necessarily come across my brain, but you always seem to Mm. catch on a little touch point, which is very critical to the story and the overall narrative in that. And for that, thank you. Because I think again, again, and again, you always bring up something that uh, I tend to overlook and and miss with this. So I always like the the angle you're coming at this. So we really appreciate that. Great stuff. Uh, We also got some likes and retweets on our past episode. We heard from Secret Wars and Beyond podcast. That's at Sean42AZ. 
Keep up the fine work, Sean. Yeah. I love hearing you whenever you're a guest on a podcast, but also the respective work you do on your own shows with Secret Wars mm-hmm. and Beyond Podcast and, of course, Squadron Supreme. Great, great stuff. Right. Again, shout out to Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern HG. We heard from Rob Myers at Drummer Rob 10 He's awesome. the host of the Everyone Loves the Drake podcast and Everyone Loves Ju- Young Justice podcast. Uh, Twitter feeds, respectively, ELTD podcast and ELYJ podcast. Again, shout out to you, Ian. Ian can be found at IBM Miller. We heard from Christados at Christados01. Yes, he's the International Man of Mystery. Podcast can be found yeah, on Longbox Crusade on Twitter at Longbox Crusade. And if you're into James Bond or if you like a good podcast mm. in general, check out Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast. Twitter feed OHMS Pod. We heard from uh, Relatively Geeky. At nice. relatively underscore geek. Yes. Thank you very much, Professor Allen. A relatively geeky podcast network produces a range of podcasts, including Short Box Showcase, Quarter Bin Podcast, Comics Reading Journal, and Doom Speak. <laughs> and I was mm. so glad to see that first issue of Dr. Doom on the stands and just knowing <laughs> someone, someone out there that I know on Twitter is smiling from ear to ear that that comic book hit the rack and I was dying to hear his thoughts. And boy, awesome. he got those out so quick. Applause, applause. And if you want to hear one of the finer voices in all of podcasting, shout out to you, Professor Allen. Again, Relatively Geeky at Relatively underscore Geek. Chris Hamby Films. Yes, thank you so much, Christopher Hamby. We heard from DC Now. It's a DC Now fan podcast. Thank you so much, gang. And you can find their Twitter handle at now underscore podcast. Stephanie Dantzler at Stephanie Dance One. Again, a shout out to the Tim Drake podcast. And again, you can find them on Twitter at ELTD podcast. And look, it's our host. It's the Batman Universe. And you can find, yes, you could find them on Twitter at Batman Universe. Covers comics, movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and more related to the Bat family. If I overlooked you, please let me know on Twitter at BTO on Bad Books or let Jerry know at Professor Frenzy. We'll be sure to mention you on our next podcast. Fantastic. Thanks, Chris. Now, everyone, don't forget to check Chris and I out on the Professor Frenzy Show. So we've got about 77 episodes or something of the Professor Frenzy Show where Chris and I talk about indie comics and other pop culture topics. We also had just started a kind of a spinoff show where we're going through uh, classic stories uh, in comic books, and we're currently covering Paper Girls. So that's on Frenzy Peace Theater. And then also we've been doing a Memory Minute Monday. Uh, Every Monday we talk about... uh, It's just something from our past that we remember. That's been a lot of fun. And to find all of these shows, just search on iTunes for The Professor Frenzy Show. It's all in the same feed. It'll come up just every day. We'll get another show. Um, So just I hope you enjoy them. So that's all we have for today. Please join us next time where Chris and I will cover Birds of Prey, the death of Oracle. Oh, no, that sounds bad, Chris. My, my (laughs) My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. We read bad books, good, bad, and okay, which don't work so well and which are worth to pay. A through F grades Help me find great Batman trades Battle, battle, battle Battles for beginners Battles, 